Thanks, Thomas, for that. We'll talk to you at the end of our show here today. Right now, we're going to welcome in Tony Hatch, joining us to talk a little bit about what's going on in the rail space, specifically when it comes now to service transportation forward and their decision on reciprocal switching. Tony, thanks for joining us this morning. Happy to be here. Morning. So, so let's go ahead and dig right into it. Before we get too much into the weeds on what this means, tell us a little bit about the Surface Transportation Board and what they've actually finally decided on the reciprocal switching issue. Well, I called it in my report a uh, nasty curveball. And nasty in the baseball terms means, you know, uh, very effective. So I don't, I don't mean it as, as bad. Uh, most uh, everybody expected a reciprocal switching rule that would be mileage based that would say at a certain bit of miles uh you you could apply to to move your goods from a, a, a train that was running a to b to change it at c to get to to, to bring in a, another competitor if the if you had an interline uh, opportunity within a certain number of miles in canada i think they moved it out to over 160 kilometers uh that's the canadian model was the one that was always being looked at and that is mileage or in their case a metric uh, distance based uh, what they did instead was to, to base it on service uh which is really interesting to basically say if railroads were not providing service by various uh measurements uh in their first and last mile you could apply to have another railroad come in and offer that service. Uh, what that really does is tie railroads to a certain number of, of service metrics, uh, basically around on-time percentage and reliability and consistency to that number over time, which has always been something the rails themselves have really wanted to be to do, to offer. Uh, so in many ways, uh, this, this follows what the railroads themselves have been saying they were going to be focusing on this year and in the future. Um, so I find it kind of a benign thing as long as railroads mean what they say, and I really believe that they do. Uh, in addition, I call it a great win for analysts, analysts because it'll give us a lot more data, uh, and it'll standardize the data. Right now, railroads all produce their own uh, velocity numbers, their own on-time numbers, and they're measured differently, so we don't really know how to compare them. Uh, obviously, every territory is different, every weather pattern is different, but this will be a lot, give us a lot more data so that we can really dig in there. So it's a real gift to us. It's also going to give, I can imagine, shippers a lot more clarity on who they decide to enter into contracts with and where they decide to put their freight, right? Some of the reaction from this decision yes. has been a little bit mixed at best. Some folks saying this is a direct attack on competition. Some folks saying, hey, this is exactly what we wanted. Who, who have you heard from in the industry so far where you are maybe kind of surprised to see their reaction? And are there any points that are maybe contrarian that are actually worthy of merit? Well, it's interesting. I, I, if you found people who say this is exactly what they wanted, um, I'd like to meet them because I think we nobody really expected this response. It was always based, certainly going back to when it was brought up in the in the early 2010s and in 2016 to the STB. It was always based on on intersections of railroads within a certain mileage uh, uh, distance, which really, in many ways, was that was an attack on market power and on pricing. I, I viewed. What I thought they were going to do is a soft cap on rates. That is, if you go to a big shipper and say, you know, we'd like to get a 4% or a 5% rate increase, and, and that shipper has the opportunity within mileage to potentially give that business, you know, off to another carrier, they might say, well, how's 3%? You know, and so I really thought it was, you know, uh, the, the initial plans were about market power and about price. This is about service. Service, you know, goes into the whole idea of value along with price. So it's not unrelated. But it's in many ways, you know, very different. 
So I don't think anybody expected this. At least I don't know anybody that did. There are some in the shipper community or the trade association representing shipper community who who wanted to see an attack on pricing power. This does not really serve that purpose. Um, so that that's where I see some people. You know, everybody I see you know has said, "Yeah, this is pretty good. It's not what I expected. It's not what I wanted." If you're on the shipper side, I think the railroads have really withheld comment, but I think they're also happy. You know, if you truly believe that they were trying to focus on first and last mile, I mean, Norfolk Southern appointed a vice president for that very purpose of first and last mile. So, they, you know, the fact that railroads, this sort of dovetails with railroads are saying they're trying to do and what shippers, I think, really ultimately wanted, which is consistency in the service so that they can plan their their inventories, you know, et cetera, and really understand how to make a modal choice. So for folks who have this focus on competition, obviously it's something that they're hoping that comes out of this rulemaking is a little bit more encouraged. But what about collaboration and collaborative efforts from these railroads? Obviously, we know that the CPKC merger has gone through and it's seemed to work out pretty well. They've got that now uh, continuous lane from Mexico so far, right? They've got that continuous lane from Mexico to Canada now. Do you think that maybe this goes the opposite way of competition and just encourages a little bit more collaboration? not necessarily in the way of true acquisitions or true mergers like CPKC, but just in other railroads being willing to work with each other a little more. So I'm hopeful that that, that, that is going to happen. I don't know that this deal, uh, this this uh, uh, STB proclamation or simple switching uh, will be you know, uh, an impetus to that. I think that's something that's been talked about already. For example, in reaction to the CPKC merger, you saw a new service called Falcon that is a you know close cooperation between uh, Canadian National, Union Pacific, and Fairbanks. So I, uh, you see cooperation between CP into the Meridian bringing in CSX. So there have been a flurry of, of, of new deals involving railroads cooperating or railroads and their intermodal marketing partners, big truckload companies cooperating so I have a, a high hopes that that'll happen. I think there'll be no further deals. I think that was the, the CPKC was the last merger. But the idea of cooperating better, uh, I think it, it is, that would be pro-competitive because, again, it would be cooperating better in order to either compete with another railroad, like that Falcon service versus CPKC, or cooperating to get more trucks off the highway because you offer a better and faster service, which both of those Canadian-led, uh, uh, you know, uh, things do basically. So uh, I'm. I've. We've had periods where railroads have cooperated, and then that sort of waxes and wanes. And we're in a period again where I think people are interested in that. And I think that would be a very good thing. And I should also bring in the short lines into the story. There's real opportunity if there's better cooperation to make a better competitive product. So Tony, now of course this is the proposed rulemaking. What are the next steps for this, and when do you think that we see it become actual rule? So, you know, we're in the uh, discussion phase and people are going to put in, uh, uh, you know, commentary and then there's a chance to rebut the commentary. And, uh, you know, sometime in the late fall, you know, I don't I don't expect I've not heard any real, uh, you know, efforts to rally an opposition to this. Um, you know, I think it's it was this nasty curveball. Right. So everybody's a little shocked. Their bat's still on their shoulder, you know. Um, but I would expect that sometime before the end of the year, we'll see this, um, you know, become uh, the actual rule, unless we see, you know, a big swing, somebody who studies it and says, well, wait a second, I have not heard anybody doing that yet, but it's still kind of a surprise. You know, the, the break of that pitch was very different than we expected. We were looking for a straight up fastball and we got something very different. Uh, me, I'm kind of pleased by it, but 
Uh, you know, we haven't heard directly from all of the carriers that the big railroads, uh, we will when they report earnings in a couple of weeks and at some of the big shipper meetings like Suarez, where I'll be next week. I'm sure there'll be a healthy discussion. I'll have a better idea if there's any brewing opposition. I've not heard of any yet. All right, Tony, thank you for joining us this morning. Great to hear from you on this sure. topic and we'll talk to you soon. Good. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We'll be back with our next look at the weather right after this.